Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio here on the 12th of September. This is your host, Colton Gibson, and today I'm joined by my producer, Justin Brown, and co-host, Ryan Ligas. We have a lot of good stuff to cover for you today, including some Texas State soccer and volleyball, as well as football at the high school, college, and professional level. But before we get to all that, let's throw it to Justin for a quick word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a proud sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. Thank you, Justin. We're going to go ahead and get started with some Texas State soccer. The Bobcats last played on Sunday against the number 16-ranked TCU Horned Frogs, and they unfortunately suffered their first loss of the season, ending their seven-game unbeaten streak to start the season, which was the best start in program history. Uh, it was a 3 nothing loss, and um, it, it, I think it's really unfortunate that the Bobcats you know, lost that streak, but it came against a really good team. Yeah, I mean, you can't look at it too hard. I mean, TCU is ranked number 16 for a reason. And, you know, just looking at the stats, I mean, TCU just controlled the game from the, I mean, from just from the go. I mean, they had 18 shots on goal. Texas State only had nine, and you know, this was a good. I always like to say benchmark, but you know, because you know, leading up to this game, you know, Texas State had a good gauge of like, okay, so these are the teams that we can do really good against. Now we need to figure out what can we do against teams like TCU and stuff like that that we need to be better at so we can beat them. So I think with this game, you know, it's a loss. You lose 3-0 at home, but it's a good gauge to see what you need to improve. And again, just looking at, at you know, since TCU controlled the side of the um, uh, Texas side of the ball so much, it's like, okay, now you got to work on your actual defense and just making sure that you can either get the ball out of there or just make sure that you can, um, what do you call it? Yeah, just get it out of there. Yeah, I, you know, I think with all losses, it's definitely a learning opportunity for every team in all professional sports. And this opportunity the Bobcats had, obviously they had a win streak that we haven't seen in franchise history, the best start in franchise history. And that's under Steve Holman, um, you know, great coach. And what we've seen is this amazing team. I mean, we against UNT, we had a draw. And that was, you know, starting to show. People were like, okay, maybe this team is going to lose soon. And I was worried. But, and, you know, in TCU, they held them scoreless in the first half. And to hold a team that's 16th in the nation scoreless in the first half, that's still some really good things. And if I'm looking at some quotes here from Coach Holman after the game, and he said, I thought we played very well. It was 0-0 at the half. Unfortunately, we had a handball to give him the penalty kick to start out the second half. And that kind of gave him that momentum. Um, you know, those things like handballs, those can happen. And especially when you're playing against a national ranked team, you may make some, you know, silly mistakes that aren't, you know, usually in your rotation. But I think the Bobcats can really pick up from where they left off on this amazing franchise start. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the Bobcats will next take on Arkansas State, the Red Wolves. They hold a 2-3-2 two, and two record, and that game will be on Saturday, September 17th at 12 p.m. right here in San Marcos at the Bobcats Soccer Complex. So uh, I definitely hope that they can get back on track and start a new win streak to, to look forward to. Uh, but next, we have Texas State Volleyball. This past weekend, that they got their first games in front of a home crowd here in San Marcos at the Bobcat Invitational, and they took on Sam Houston, Ole Miss, and Wake Forest and went 2-1 and one over the weekend, two 3-0 sweeps 
uh, coming against Sam Houston, Wake Forest, and then they took the one loss against Ole Miss. But I think we saw a lot of good volleyball and definitely a good bounce back from the um, the Hawaii tournament that they participated in. Amazing volleyball. I had the opportunity to watch these games, and I just loved it. Janelle Fitzgerald, Emily DeWalt, these players are playing like they've been to the NCAA tournament for three years in a row, which, I mean, they did. And so we're not surprised. Emily DeWalt, one of the setters, the Sunbelt setter of the year, she's won it like 18 times now. And and, and she's an amazing player. And I, I love Sean Hewitt's team. This team can respond very well, especially, you know, maintaining a, a lead, like a 3-0 lead in a sweep. I mean, that's pretty tough to do, at least, you know, trying to prevent Ole Miss I mean, prevent teams from getting a win like, you know, uh, Sam Houston State and Wake Forest did not. Unfortunately, those series uh, that set against Wake Forest, I just wanted to say the final scores, all three sets ended 25 to 17. Um, what are the odds of that? Uh, this Wake Forest team did have a lot of fans show up, though, I will say. They had a huge fan turn up, and that was cool to see. But the Bobcats really did good in front of a first home crowd. Yeah, and I mean, looking and even looking at the old Miz game, I mean, they were close in it. You know, I mean, the first set was 25 to 23. Okay, you, you know. That's, you know, that's close. You know, second set, 25-21. Okay, a little less. Then Texas won the third set, 25-21. And then the fourth set, you know, it was 25-18. But, you know, even to hold it close against Ole Miss is really good. And, I mean, I think that's, I mean, they have the pieces and they have the, ta- you know, and all the talent. I mean, look, for that Ole Miss game, you know, Fitzgerald had 18 kills. In the Sam Houston game, she had 11. So, like you said, I mean, she's on fire. And so I think what they just need to work on now is, just, I mean, just closing which is the hardest thing to do in a game is just to close it out. I mean, if they can just get those extra points, you know, don't make those little mistakes and able to win, you know, those 25, 23 games and just flip it. I mean, I think they're going to be have, have a real good season. Yeah, and like you mentioned, talking about Fitzgerald, Janelle against Wake Forest had 14 kills. I mean, Janelle was leading in almost mm-hmm. all three of these different games. And I, I just wanted to say, I think this volleyball team has came out with a lot of energy at home, especially coming from Hawaii. And I think that was a great transition for them, especially getting back here and getting back to their roots and having that business trip. And now they have a lot more momentum. I'm talking the chemistry on this team is something that needs to be seen. You look at this group of girls, they are all there for each other. And the celebration they have on the court are about the funniest thing you can see um, at times. They, they are really good uh, for supporting their team, and I think Sean Hewitt's program of volleyball is pretty decent. You talk about the chemistry. I mean, you on this team, you have the one, number one and number two in the NCAA for active matches played with Janelle Fitzgerald and Emily DeWalt. You know, I remember a couple weeks back we talked about Emily DeWalt, you know, having these crazy stats because of, you know, being around for so long. But Janelle Fitzgerald's been around for just as long as she actually she leads in the um, the active matches played. But I think, you know, Justin, you talked about the energy that this team is bringing. I think a lot of it comes from the fans. You know, the uh, the Bobcat fans were ready for their Bobcat volleyball to be back here at Strahan. And, um, you know, they brought out almost 1300 people on Friday and then another 1200 people for their their second round of matches on, on Sunday. And I, I think that continuing to bring a big crowd like that's really going to keep them kind of pumped up for their future matches. Yeah, 100%. I think the fans are one of the biggest components to all collegiate sports, and, and they're the reason why a lot of athletes love showing up. And I like how we're talking about Emily DeWalt and Janelle Fitzgerald and some of the records that they hold, you know, especially among the NCAA. And Emily DeWalt, I just wanted to say some of the things she has done in her career. She's second in program history, 5,116 career assists. She's won 19 Sunbelt Setter of the Week. I'm not kidding. That's the most (laughs) in uh, program history for any team in Sunbelt Conference. Um, Five Sunbelt Player Freshman of the Week awards and four Sunbelt Setter of the Year awards. So we have some amazing components on this volleyball team, and Sean Hewitt is using them quite well. Yeah, well, the the Bobcats will go ahead and pick up play again this weekend 
in uh, Fort Worth at the Horn Frog Invitational at TCU. They have three matches, one against Aveline Christian, who's three and five. That game will take place on Friday. Uh, one of them against Alabama, who's five and four on Saturday, and they'll close out facing the home team, TCU, who's three and five on Saturday. So I think, you know, they go into another tournament. Uh, I think it's their last tournament. So I, they're going to get a lot of uh, good matches to um, to really try to keep a, a winning record going and get a lot of good, you know, opponents. Yeah, I think it's really exciting that they're going to be playing against Alabama, these bigger schools. Like we played, they played UCLA, um, you know, Alabama, these bigger schools. They give them an opportunity to, to you like you said, compare how you were talking about uh, with soccer earlier. You know, talking about TCU, you know, getting playing against, winning against other teams, and then seeing what you can do differently with these bigger schools. And and especially for volleyball, they can do the same with Alabama and UCLA. Yeah, and like uh, like uh, Colton said, I mean, this is the last tournament before the uh, season for the or for the uh, what do you call it? Um, Sunbelt season starts for us, so it's going to be a good uh, warm-up, gain some momentum going into the season when we start playing ULM in a couple weeks. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, but on the other side of it, we're going to talk some football, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio. In the studio with me, I have my producer, Justin Brown, and co-host, Ryan Liguez, and this is your host, Colton Gibson. As I said before the break, we're going to dive into all things football during this segment, starting off with the Rattlers of San Marcos High School. San Marcos in their last game was on Thursday, September 8th in San Antonio when they took a 42-41 loss against the Thunderbirds of San Antonio Wagner. I personally didn't get to watch this game, uh, but it's another close game for the Rattlers. You know, in both Week 2 and this Week 3 matchup, they played really close against their opponents. Um, I I think they just need to get better at really closing out these games. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like you said with that game, you know, when they played Madison and they won in overtime, that was like, you know, Oh my gosh, crazy! Oh my god, it's ridiculous! And like, but then also like you said about closing, they almost lost that game. I mean, they had it in their in their grasp, and they they were kind of you know relaxing and you know chilling because they had a lead. And then, you know, whenever they had a blown coverage on defense, and then you know Madison was able to score a touchdown, tied up, and we went to uh, overtime. But then also with this game against the Thunderbirds, I mean, to lose by a point is even more soul crushing because I mean you get so close and then you don't finish. I and like you said, and also like. You, I didn't go to that game, so I don't know what the ending of that was exactly. But I mean, just looking at that forty-two, forty-one, I mean, you just gotta try and do a little bit better. Yeah, and one thing I'd like to point out from this score that's actually a, a, a shining spot is look at that score. It's forty-one to forty-two. You have a football team that could generate forty-one points for you here. That's showing that this offense is powerful, but it also shows that your defense isn't showing up because the other team scored forty-two. I mean, the other team scored yeah forty-two to win the game. So. Yeah, I mean, it does show some light that this offense is really powerful. Isaiah DeLeon, he's really showing up. And and I'm really glad that this Rattler team, it seems like they're not letting any of that news they got at the beginning of the season really hunker them down. And they're still coming out every play and playing into overtime, getting overtime wins and putting up 41 points in a game. That's big numbers, big numbers for any football, especially high school. Yeah, um, so I, I think, you know, they just need to go back to the drawing board and try to figure out some adjustments to make before the next game, which is going to be this Friday, September 16th at 7 p.m. against the Bulldogs of John B. Alexander High School. Uh, I believe this game will be taking place in Laredo, so they will be on the road. Uh, but next up, we're going to talk about some Texas State football. Texas State Bobcats got their first win of the season, and it was a big one, uh, winning 41-12 to against the Florida International Panthers. This Saturday, Ryan, I know you want to dive into a lot of the stats from from every angle of this game. Oh, my gosh. Well, before we get even into the stats of the game, that in my four years of coming to Texas State, 
I have never seen a game where the student section was so alive. I mean, last year against Baylor, they were alive, but I mean, that's because Baylor's in town. But this is Texas A playing FIU, and that student section was on fire. They were excited. They they had pride in their hearts. They were loyal. Like, I mean, and that's because it also helps that this is the biggest freshman class. This is the biggest freshman class of uh, Texas A history. So, you know, they were there, and they were committed. They were staying, and it was just a good sight to see to have fans there rooting for their team. And it also helps when they win, you know, 41 to 12 against FIU. And I mean, that game was just electric. The offense was kicking. The defense was kicking. Yeah. And I like how you mentioned this, this, this student center and this fans. And here's a statistic that I want to throw out there. 18,757 fans were in that stadium. So definitely was apparent the energy was something i've never seen as well you know i'm only a sophomore at texas state university so i haven't seen as much football but i will tell you that during after that uh 47 uh you know yard amazing touchdown for the for the texas state bobcats i saw the student section doing ymca and i've never <laughs> seen that many bodies doing the ymca look i'm especially at texas state I, I i haven't seen that big of a crowd and and it's it's, it's amazing to see and it shows that a lot of the fans are excited to see what this new quarterback lane hatcher is going to bring to this team and many were you know questioning how he was especially against that nevada performance but now here against FIU, we saw some. Uh, we saw otherwise. Yeah, and I think the biggest takeaway from that Nevada loss, you know, as disappointing as it was, the offensive line really struggled. You know, Jamil Jeter and Calvin Hill combined for 27 yards. There was a lot of penalties. Lane Hatcher was sacked, I think, seven or eight times in that game. But this game, Calvin Hill rushed for a career high 195 yards on 28 attempts. Then that wow. he like blew <laughs> past his his career high. Uh, but. They also allowed Hatcher to throw for 226 yards and three touchdowns, including those two long passes to to Charles Brown and Javen Banks. So the, the offensive line, whatever improvement they made, I know that FIU probably doesn't have as good of a defense as Nevada does, but whatever improvements they made to allow Hatcher and Calvin Hill to have that kind of success is just something they need to continue to work on and you know really perfect. Yeah, I don't know how long it's been since I've seen Texas State have a deep ball touchdown, let alone two in a game. And like you said, Calvin Hill, 195 yards. That's also a new sight to see because in the past couple of seasons, our run game has been kind of spotty. Sometimes we'll have some good games. Sometimes we just won't have a game, almost like like it was with Nevada, 27 yards. And also when you talked about, uh, you know, penalties kind of killed us in the Nevada game, we had some, we had less amount of penalties in this game. But what was also good that I saw, even when we did have penalties, we were able to overcome and recoup those yards and just keep the drives going, which has been a problem for us. I mean, usually we'll be on a good drive and then penalties just completely stall us. So it was good to see on Saturday that we were able to overcome those. Yes, it, it was, it's great to see that this team is making improvements from last year and, and, and all of us have been able to see it, especially in this first game. I, there's different things you can point out. You could talk about the offensive line. You could talk about Lane Hatcher and the things he's doing. And you got to mention that 67 yard throw. I mean, that was huge for Charles Brown. And once he got in that end zone, it was loud in that stadium. And, but we have to mention something that, you know, also happened during that game. There was a very unfortunate injury for one of the players. And what was that player called? Uh, it was Chris Mills. You know, he was he was carted off in the third or fourth quarter. Uh, he, he went to tackle somebody on the sideline. And uh, I think they they collided in the, with their heads. And he, um, he unfortunately got hurt. He had to, you know, be stretchered off. Um, you know, we just... Good, good thoughts to, to him and his family, hoping, you know, he's recovering well, which I, I think he is. Yeah, no, uh, they said out yesterday that he was out of the hospital and doing good. But it was also a really good show of sportsmanship between the uh, 
the two teams. I know after they carted them off, you know, FIU and uh, Texas State, they got together, you know, there's gathered around, you know, and just hope for the best for them. And, you know, it was really good to see, you know, just in the big game of football, just to even like, you know, Texas State's beating FIU, just to come together in that moment. It's just, it was just a really good thing to see. Yeah, it was really beautiful. I, I saw FIU players and Texas State players on the sideline, on that FIU sideline around him, all kneeling. It, and it showed that, uh, you know, this the, football is such an unpredictable game, and especially through this contact sport thing, some things can happen. And it's showing that, that amazing team, uh, you know, this team, not team chemistry per se, but the the good sportman like conduct from both these teams. I mean, uh, it was it was it was something spe uh, something to see. Um, really shocking, but I'm glad to hear that he's okay. And actually, another thing that was good to see this weekend before the game, something I really lit up the crowd. I forgot to say this earlier when we're talking about the fans. Our president Damp House rode out on a motorcycle or Harley in front of everybody, and I mean, we've all been saying this past couple of weeks, you know that. Um, it's really good to see Dan Powell, our president, you know, going to these games, going to the soccer games. He's going to the volleyball games. He's really in with the fans. And to see him rile up this crowd and get ready for football season, I also believe when we're talking about change to the team and how they're improving, I think the morale of the fan base and just Texas State in general, the, the outlook on Texas State in general is improving. Yes, the outlook is improving. And with presidents like Kelly Dampus, he is show like, I, I I never I didn't really get to see the previous president that much and it's really nice to see these new faces and the new hires that Texas has had especially on the football team like we're talking Lane Hatcher right um, Lane Hatcher's statistics from the game uh, he did some great things and we have to look ahead towards the next game um, a, a game that's going to be against Baylor a team we saw last year at home now going away to play them do you guys think that Texas State can hold this momentum or do you think that was just FIU's lack of defense. You know, I'm really excited to see what happens in this Baylor game. Obviously, it's in Waco, and Baylor is, you know, the number 17th ranked team in the uh, the whole nation. But they're coming off of a loss. They they lost to BYU. Um, I, I think the game's going to be a lot closer than people think it's going to be. I mean, we played them we played them close last year, and they were the Big 12 champions last year. Yeah, and I mean, I think our team is definitely better than the team that we had. Or the team is better than the, than they had last year. So. I think they're going to have a better shot, and I mean, come on. If you look at this past weekend, the Sun Belt was on fire. You know, A&M went down. Notre Dame went down. I think it's Texas State's turn to get the big upset against number 7 Baylor. Yes, college football as, I mean, talking about football in general right now, guys, this is like one of the biggest weeks for football ever. We had NFL football starting this weekend and last Thursday. We're definitely going to touch upon that. And then, like you were saying, Sunbelt, we're talking about App State upsetting A&M, and I would love to see Texas State do the same to Baylor. And it's just this college football and NFL has been some, there's been some crazy moments, guys. Yeah, so we talk about the Baylor game. That game is going to be on Saturday September 17th at 11 a.m. in Waco. So, But if you can't make the drive down to Waco for the game, uh, you can also watch that game on FS1 as you cheer on the Bobcats to hopefully see an upset over a Big 12 team. Uh, but now we're going to go into NFL, and the NFL Week 1 had a lot of crazy games. I think a couple games went to overtime. There's a lot of missed kicks and a, a couple of surprises in my mind. So we just had a few games that we were going to talk about. First up with the Saints and the Falcons. The Saints uh, came back. They were down 16 points going to the fourth quarter and ended up winning 27 to 26. 
Uh, so what, what were some takeaways you guys had from this game? Oh, my gosh. If you had Koo as your kicker in your fantasy team, you were ecstatic yesterday. I mean, he – I was – I mean, going – you know, after halftime, I was like, okay, Saints are – you know, I think the Saints can do it. Mariota wasn't looking too good. And then, you know, Koo was just kicking the ball all the way through. Dude, had, I think he made a total – I think in total points he made 14. So out of that 26, he made 14 of them. And so – and, you know, it was – it was just it's just so good. I'm I'm a special teams guy. I like when punters and kickers do really good. And so I was really excited this whole weekend. But to see Koo really help his team this week and then to see that Saints special teams just come up with that immaculate block just to give him oh man, I know our, our our sports director Jacob was ecstatic when the Saints were able to get that block and win the game. The Saints seventeen point swing in that fourth quarter to win that game and that huge block. I know our sports director Jacob was having a blast with that. You know that is his team, and this team is uh, the Saints are kind of going through a rebuild right now as well, right? Uh, you know they they don't have their stars that they used to have back in the day. So the Saints seem getting a good win, a good comeback win to start off the season is not bad. Yeah, you mentioned them not having their stars, but the thing I took away from this game was Michael Thomas is back. You know he didn't play since Halloween of last year. And in this game, he had two touchdowns. Both came in the fourth quarter, but two touchdowns nonetheless. You know, that helped him, you know, bring his team to the win. Uh, but the next game would be the Steelers and the Bengals. The Steelers, I think, pulled off a little bit of an upset in an overtime game. This was one of the games that had a lot of missed kicks. Two missed kicks in overtime and then a blocked kick that even sent it to overtime. But the uh, the Steelers came out with a 23-20 to win. Yeah, and I mean... Who would have thought going into this game that Mitch Trubisky would lead the Steelers to beat the AFC champions, Bengals, with Joe Burrow? I watch this game, and and when I'm watching this game, I'm thinking I'm thinking Kobe first because you know Ultimate Steelers fan. <laughs> I know he's wearing it head to toe right now. Um, you know this game was exciting, and and for someone that doesn't watch football as often, when I was watching Mitch Trubisky play against these Bengals, I was like, who is this guy? Because this guy's doing really good, and you're doing that against the former. You know they they were almost there, almost winning the Super Bowl. The Bengals with Joe Shiesty, Jamar Chase. I mean, the odds were against the Steelers. And if anybody was going to pick that game, and if a better was going to pick that game, they'd probably pick the Bengals in that situation. But I loved to see the Steelers come out and get the upset. Yeah, I don't think anybody saw Joe Burrow throwing as many picks as he did. And, you know, also, you know, nobody would have thought that they were, the Steelers were able to block Evan McPherson's first kick. And then for him to miss the second kick, I mean, Dew was the king of the kickers yesterday, last season, so nobody expected any of that. Yeah, you said Joe Burrow throwing interceptions. He threw four interceptions in this game, three of them coming in the first half. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to, you know, T.J. Watt and the force of the Steelers' defense. Uh, but unfortunately, T.J. Watt had an injury in this game. They think he might have torn his pec. Uh, so we'll see what that means for the Steelers' defense in, in coming weeks. Uh, but the, uh, the next game would be the Vikings and the Packers. The Vikings decisively won I think 23 to 7 they made Aaron Rodgers look like he didn't know how to throw a football there for a little bit but Justin Jefferson was the real star in this game you know he had 184 yards and two touchdowns in the first half <laughs> I bet man I bet Aaron Rodgers looking that was like oh you know I wish I hadn't signed this contract maybe I could have gone somewhere with actual with some wide receivers but I mean they are just so depleted on that team I mean when he threw up that pick to Harrison Smith I mean I don't know what he was expecting. I mean, Harry Smith guarded Randall Cobb, a slot receiver. There's no way that he was going to win that battle. And, I mean, he just has no wide receivers. And his line was not doing him any help. I, don't, I think Bakhtiari's still out. 
But even like they were just the Vikings were just getting pressure on him, and he was I mean he was livid. Every shot they showed of him on the TV, he was yelling at somebody. He was yelling at the coaches. I mean he just was not having it yesterday. This game was so fun to watch, and Justin Jefferson really showed up, like you said. I mean, that guy was all around the field. And then you got to talk about Aaron Aaron Rodgers here, okay? Aaron Rodgers, he was getting handled out there, and and it, it poses the question, and many NFL fans, many common fans, anything, you know, how old is too old for the NFL? And there's one other player that's similar in age and similar in position, and his name's Tom Brady. Um, and he played last night as well against a certain team, and I, I feel like we need to bring that that game up because I think it relates to all of us in the state of Texas. I'm going to try and keep my emotions very low as a Cowboys fan. Um, <laughs> oh, Lord. That game last night, oh, what, what could I say? I mean, I, I understood going into that game that the Cowboys were probably not going to come out on top because, I mean, they're just so also very depleted. They have no O-line. They have no wide receivers right now. All they have is Dak Prescott. And then we lost him. He's going to be out for the next six to eight weeks. Um, gosh, I'm now just looking at that season, the season for the Cowboys. I'm just like, all right, it starts after the bye. After the bye, we're going to have Dak back. Gallup will be back. We're going to have a good old line. A, well, a decent old line. But just speaking on Brady, I mean, he was slinging it. And, I mean, they were showing the statistics um, on his uh, throw speed, and he was throwing better than he – throwing faster than he did back in, like, 08, 06. So, I mean, he's not slowing down at all. Yeah, with that getting hurt, I think that really leaves a big question mark for the Cowboys. You know, I know we have a few Cowboys fans here on the sports staff, so I'm, I'm expecting to see all the Cooper Rush jerseys come out before the game next week because, you know, he's, he's got to be the savior now for that, you know, whatever you want to call that that team right now. I want to trade for Jimmy G. That's what we need to do. We need to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. He's hand, staying, man. Hey, hand the ball. Hey, 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 hand the full reins to Trey Lance. Even after the game yesterday, he's going to get the reins. Well, that's all for week one. Uh, a bunch of crazy games, you know, and I hope it, it continues going for the rest of the season. You know, this is what makes people want to watch football. But week one's going to wrap up tonight for Monday Night Football with the Broncos traveling to Seattle to take on the Seahawks, the return of Russell Wilson to the Seahawks. This is huge. Russell Wilson coming back to his old town. This is going to be prime time, the big show. You got to watch it. Tune into it. Um, it's going to be a pr- pretty a, pretty much a great game. I don't know how the Seahawks are going to respond with uh, the, their QB position. Yeah, but I don't know if Geno's going to be able to do it. Yeah, They're just going to be throwing it at the DK Metcalf the whole game because I don't know who else they could throw it to or Noah, Noah Fant. It may look just like a Buccaneers-Dallas blowout, but no, uh, no hard feelings with that statement, Ryan. You better make me cry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's been really exciting week one, and I don't know how better way to cap it off besides the Seahawks and the Broncos. Like I said, Broncos at Seahawks tonight at 7.15 p.m. If you want to see, you know, Russell Wilson go back to Seattle. Uh, but that's before we let you go, we're going to take it to Ryan for some weather. All right. Well, it's looking pretty Texas weather this whole week. Today, high 94, low of 68. Nothing real special, just clear sky. So you're going to get a little burnt. Same thing for Tuesday, 90, high 96, low of 90. Yeah, 96, low of 69, and then on Wednesday, high 94, low of 65. So sunny, 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 
Typical Texas weather. So I don't need an umbrella, correct? Uh, no, unlike uh, everybody missed it last week. Justin said that it was going to be clear skies, not going to rain, and then I got pelted on by a monsoon. Hey, the weatherman's wrong at least once a week, and he gets paid more than I do, so I don't care. <laughs> so it's so, not a problem. Yeah, so hot weather, uh, make sure to stay cool and bring some water. But that's all of our time for today, so make sure to keep up with everything Texas State and San Marcos related by following us at KTSW Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For Ryan Liguez and Justin Brown, I'm Colton Gibson. Thank you for listening to this Monday's edition of Bobcat Radio, and I hope you all have an amazing rest of your day. Now, let's get you back to the other side of radio.